Good morning, and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study, presented by the Southwest Church of Christ, Austin, Texas. Holding forth the Word of Life to present all people perfect in Jesus Christ. And now your host, Cody Westbrook. Good morning and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study, brought to you by the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I'm Cody Westbrook, your host and preacher for the Southwest Congregation. In John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. This morning, I want us to think about the statement of the mother of Jesus that's found in John chapter 2 and verse 5, Whatever he says to you, do it. We live in a society that really doesn't place a very high value on obedience or on respect for authority. That isn't anything new. The world has had problems with that basically since the beginning. We can read about it in Genesis 6 and verse number 5 where the Bible describes the state of man before the flood and how every imagination of the heart of man was only on evil continually. We can read about it in Judges 17 and verse 6 where the Bible tells us that there arose a generation that did not know God and that um, every person did that which was right in his own eyes. We could read about it in Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 16 and 17, and Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, and so many other places throughout God's Word where we learn that for uh, the entire scope of human history, man has existed in a way in which he struggles with obedience and with respecting the authority, especially the authority of God. So this statement from Mary, the mother of Jesus, in John 2, verse 5, is a statement that summarizes God's requirements of man in every age and in every place for all time. Whatever he says to you, do it. Our attitude toward Jesus, toward our Heavenly Father, should be, whatever he says, we'll do it. And this morning, we want to talk about some reasons why that is the case and why our attitude should be whatever he says, do it. Let's stop for a moment for a word of prayer and then we'll continue our study together. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the day that you've given us and for the opportunity that you've given us to study from your word this morning. As we think about obedience and as we think about authority, we pray, Father, that you will help all of us to have a willingness to humble ourselves and submit ourselves in humble obedience to your will and to your authority and the authority of your Son. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Whatever he says, do it. Our attitude should be that we will obey God in everything, number one, because he has all authority. The word authority is defined as rightful, actual, and unimpeded power to act. Another dictionary defines authority as the rightful exercise of power. The Bible tells us that Jesus possesses all authority. 
In fact, he said that in Matthew 28 and verse 18, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. In John 5 verse 27, Jesus said that the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And so the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of, literally, by the authority of the Lord or by the authority of Jesus Christ. We teach sometimes, or I hope we do anyway, teach our children respect for the authority of parents. We demand that our children respect our authority as their mothers and fathers. We teach our children the importance of respecting school administrators, of respecting policemen, of respecting judges, and respecting lawmakers. We understand in our regular daily life the importance of authority figures and our need to respect them and obey them. But even more so must we recognize the need to recognize and respect the authority of Christ Jesus and to obey Him. Jesus, or Mary, said, whatever He says, do it. And our attitude toward Christ Jesus should be just that. Whatever He says, we will do it because, number one, He has all authority. But second, whatever He says, do it, no matter the cost. The question that we need to consider, uh, that each of us should consider uh, on a regular basis is, am I willing to obey the Lord no matter what it costs, regardless of how high the cost may be? Consider some examples throughout the Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, about those who obeyed the Lord regardless of the high cost. You can start with Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 1, where the Bible says that it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, if we're familiar with the story, we, we know that God stayed the hand of Abraham and did not allow him to go through with this. But notice that Abraham was willing to. Abraham set out to obey God, knowing that it would cost him the life of his son. He could have, he could have uh, fought back. He could have been uh, prideful. He could have argued with the Lord, but he didn't. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we commonly know them in Daniel chapter 3? The Bible tells us that the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had uh, built a, a statue, and the command was that whenever the instruments began to play, that everyone was to bow down and to worship that statue as a god. And, Neb and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do it. And so they were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And they were willing to perish. They were willing to die instead of bow their knee and worship a false god. Another example in the same book is Daniel himself in Daniel chapter 6, where the decree is made that no one should pray to anyone except for the king. And Daniel continued to pray three times a day as he always had to the God of heaven and he ended up being thrown in the lion's den. Now, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all saved from those uh, 
uh, from those problems. But still, their attitude was, we will obey God no matter what. Even if it costs us our life, we will do whatever he says. In Luke chapter 15, verse 25 and following, Jesus talks about the importance of counting the cost. Luke 15, verse 25 and following, we read about this, uh, this parable of the lost son and how when the prodigal or the lost son returned home, that the older son was in the field and he drew near, recognizing what was going on with the son being welcomed home, and he became angry, verse number 28. And he said to his father, verse 29, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. You see, the problem here with the uh, older brother is that he had failed to count the cost of forgiveness. Sometimes the cost, in fact, many times the cost for following Jesus, or I should say the cost of following Jesus, is very high. And it is incredibly important that we make sure we do count the cost. Jesus will talk about the fact that uh, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. The cost of following Jesus is sacrifice and self-denial. And sometimes that means that we have to do things that are very, very difficult in order to truly repent like perhaps make a major lifestyle change. We can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9-11. through 11. Or even come out of an unscriptural marriage, like uh, what is instructed in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9 and following. Count the cost. It's high, but it is worth it eternally. Whatever he says, do it. That should be our attitude. No matter how high the cost, we will obey the Lord. Number three. Whatever he says, do it, however strange it may seem. One of the interesting things about studying God's Word is that so many times God chooses to do things in ways that to the human mind might seem a little bit odd. We read about uh, something along that line in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 all the way through verse 25, where the Apostle Paul talks about gospel preaching. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of uh, God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Uh, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The idea of a Savior, a King, a Messiah being nailed to a cross was something that was completely absurd to the mind of the everyday person living under the Roman Empire during the time of the first century. 
And yet the Apostle Paul, by inspiration, says, the preaching, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, though it's foolishness to those who are perishing, foolishness to those who think exclusively from the standpoint of human wisdom, it is the power of God. There are things uh, throughout the Bible that, again, might seem odd to the human mind, but that's what God wanted to be done. Do you remember what happens in Joshua chapter 6? In that chapter, the children of Israel have crossed over the Jordan River and they're preparing to begin the conquest of the land of Canaan. They come to the city of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 6, they are commanded to march around the wall in silence for a number of days. And then on the final day, they're commanded to march, march around the wall and then to shout. And when they were to do so, the walls would come crumbling down. Do you imagine what it must have been like to be inside the city of Jericho and look out and watch as day after day this great number of people march in utter silence around the walls of your city? Do you think someone thought, well, that's odd. Why would God ask us to do that? Or that's odd. Why would they do that? And yet, that's what God commanded to be done. And so Joshua and the children of Israel did it. How about Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5? Naaman was a Syrian and he was afflicted with leprosy. And he was told by the prophet of God to go and dip himself in the Jordan River seven times. And to Naaman, that didn't make any sense because the Jordan River was muddy and dirty and nasty, and there were other rivers close by that were clear and were more pleasant to uh, the, the eyes. And he said, well, why, why can't I go to those rivers? And the command of God was, go to the Jordan River. And he did, and his leprosy was cleansed. But if he hadn't, his leprosy would never have been cleansed because he would have violated the will of God. In John chapter 9, in verse number 6, there is a blind man who is healed by Jesus and here is how the healing took place. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, he made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Why wouldn't Jesus just say, See, or your sight is restored? Well, we don't know the answer to that question. But Jesus chose to do it in this way. And it might seem strange to us, but that's what Jesus chose to do. But now, what about some commands that Jesus, that God has of us today that for many people in the world seem a little strange, and yet whatever he says, we must do it? How about baptism? So many people in the religious world teach that baptism is non-essential, that a person can be saved without baptism. But the Bible says differently. The Bible says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. Mark 16, 16. The Bible says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verse 38. The Bible says that baptism saves us, 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. And Paul was asked in Acts 22:16, Why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. There are so many people that have made arguments about, about baptism, trying to argue with this command of God. What if this and what if that? What if a person is on an airplane or on their deathbed or whatever? And at the end of the day, all of those arguments are just simply silly hypotheticals. The fact of the matter is that God says baptism saves and it's necessary, it's a requirement, and we can't go to heaven without it. 
So whatever he says, do it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense to me. God said it, and so I must do it. Another thing that falls in this same category might be worship attendance. Again, so many people are under the, uh, under the impression in this world that if we just say we believe in Jesus and if we go to church every now and again, that we're good. But do you know the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25 that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And in Matthew 6.33 it says that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So many people make church attendance, worship attendance, secondary. And they don't seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. They seek first their jobs and their uh, children's sporting events and extracurricular activities. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says worship God. The Bible says assemble with the saints. The Bible says put God first. However strange it may seem to us, whatever He says, we must do it. Whatever he says, we must do it, number four, without question. Friends, we must never put a question mark where God has put a period. If God in his word commands us to do something, our response should not be to question him. Just like Abraham, remember we talked about him earlier from Genesis chapter 22? God tested him by commanding him to go and offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, but Abraham didn't question God when God asked him to do that. Abraham didn't argue with God and come up with a number of reasons why he thought God should do things differently. Abraham simply obeyed God without question. When God speaks, it is our obligation to do exactly as he says. Job 38 verse 1, the Lord speaks to Job and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. You see, the problem is that Job had been out of turn. He was suffering and struggling and didn't have all the answers, but he began in his answers to be presumptuous and questioning in his speech toward God. And God corrects him for it in Job 38 and says, You don't know what you're talking about. When does the clay have the right to question the potter? That's the argument of Romans 9, verse 19 to 21. And the answer is never. Friends, when Jesus tells us to do something, whatever he says, we must do it because he has all authority. We must do it no matter how high the cost. We must do it even if it seems strange. We must do it without question. And finally, we must do it exactly as he says. There are some things in which uh, God has left in the realm of judgment. For example, uh, or God gives the command, rather, and, le and then leaves parts of the fulfillment of that command up to our judgment. For example, we are commanded to worship on the first day of the week in Acts 20 and verse 7. But what time? 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, 10.30 in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon? That's left up to our judgment. We are commanded to worship, but the time of day is left up to our judgment. But um, when God says, I want you to do something, and it's not a matter of judgment, then we must be sure that we do what he says exactly as he says it. Consider the example of Noah. Suppose God had just simply said to Noah, I want you to make an ark, and then he had stopped there. Then Noah would have been free to build it as he pleased with whatever wood he chose to use in, in whatever dimensions he wanted to use. But God didn't stop at build me an ark. God continued and was specific. 
He said, I want you to make it with gopher wood. And he specified the size and a number of different things. And Noah was required to build the ark as exactly as God said to build it. And he did. Friends, when we talk about worship, when we talk about the plan of salvation, when we talk about the church, when we talk about any doctrine or practice in which God has revealed in his word, this is how I want it done, then whatever he says, we must do it without question. When we disobey, that brings chaos. 1 Samuel 15:22 says to obey is better than sacrifice. Disobedience brings chaos, but obedience brings a blessing. Isn't it interesting? Mary spoke those words in John 2 verse 5, whatever he says to you, do it. And that same principle, that principle has been applicable in every age and will continue to be applicable in every age for every person in every place. Whatever he says, whatever the Lord says, we must do it. Because he has all authority, no matter the cost, even if it seems strange, we must do it without question and we must do it exactly as he says it must be done. That's the end of our study this morning. We do thank you for tuning in with us today. And again, we want to remind you that at the end of this year, we will be bringing the Word of Life Radio Bible Study to a close and transitioning to a podcast. We invite you to visit our website, www.swcfc.org, and find more details there. If you have opportunity, come and worship with us at the Southwest Congregation, and we hope that you'll be able to be back with us again Uh, next Sunday morning, Lord willing, as we open up the Bible and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. Thank you for joining us today on the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. You're cordially invited to join us at the Southwest Church of Christ for Bible class this morning at 9.30, worship at 10.30, and again at 6 this evening. We also meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening for Bible class. If you would like to have a copy of today's program, please write or call us. We're located at 8900 Manchac Road, Austin, Texas, 78748. You can call us at 512-282-2486 or find us on the web at www.swcofc.org. We hope you will join us again next Sunday morning as we continue our study of God's Word.